Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Columbus, Ohio, it's time for Columbus Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Columbus Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today, we have with us Joe Epi with the Epi Group. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Glad to be here. Before we get too far into things, tell us about the Epi Group, uh, who you're serving, and uh, how you're helping folks. Well, we are all about educating people um, in the financial world. So uh, money is a topic that uh, is foreign to a lot of people. We don't get any education about it in school. And um, there are certain financial service products that people must use to be able to have successful planning for retirement, family protection, you know, estate planning or whatever type, college planning, whatever type of planning they want to do. And we don't get any education on these products or how to put them together or really how money works or how taxation works. And so we go through life, I think, kind of like we get to a spot and then we wake up and we go, okay, now what do I do? And how do I figure this next, you know, obstacle out? Instead, life should really be, especially financially, like a video game where you already, a game you've mastered, where you already know the next move ahead of time, right? So that when you get to work for your first job and they bring out this whole menu of benefits, you know exactly what you want and why you want it. Where today people go to the HR manager, you know, what should I take? And it's just not the right way to do your your planning based on feelings, emotions, advice from others. You need to always look at things mathematically in a factual standpoint. And it's extremely importantly because at the end of the day, averages are not real. So if you took a dollar bill and you doubled it, you'd have $2, you'd be up 100%. If you lost 50% of your investment in year two and 50% in year three, you would add up to zero. 100 minus 50 minus 50 equals zero. Divided by three is zero. So the mutual fund company inside your 401k plan is allowed to legally advertise their average return the last three years is zero. They should go to prison for that because your money went from a dollar to two back to a dollar 50 cents. So at the end of the day, you know, and even just going into a 401k plan, nobody gets educated how to do it. Why? Because the providers are the ones doing the enrollment meetings. So no matter who the financial provider is, they want you to put all your money into that plan because that's how they make money. And so they tell you it's the end all be all. But the law works quite differently. The law says an employer must wire 401k money into the market the day it's due before the stock market opens. And what happens then, the day traders grab that money and trade it up during the day and move the market higher. And you get the closed-end price for your mutual fund at the end of the day. So what people should be doing is going into their money market because the market's at record highs again. And Lee, let me ask you a question. When you bought the clothes you're wearing today, did you figure out what you wanted and go out and seek the highest price you could find for those clothes? No, what I do is I I look at what I want and then I tell somebody and they, they buy it the next day. Okay, exactly. The point is, though, but you look for a good deal on it, right? And, right. and in your 401k plan, you're buying at record high after record high after record high. That's not a good way to go in. So you should be going into a money market or a guaranteed account and let your money sit there until the market has some sort of drop off. 
and then you can go into your investments. We're not trying to time the market, but nothing ever works out by buying high and selling low. I can promise you that. So, um, you know, we're just all about education. And obviously, you know, we do investing and we do disability insurance and life insurance and annuities and long-term care protection and all the different plannings from estate planning to retirement planning. And really the, the real hot button out there today, Lee, is, is retirement planning. And we have developed some very proprietary software um, in the form of a spreadsheet that really lets you project out your entire future financial situation year by year by year by year by year for the rest of your life, seeing all your income cash flows, all your expenses. But the one thing that's always frustrated me about planning and educating people is the software that I've seen has one box for inflation on expenses. Well, I know very simply that principal and interest on a mortgage's level and taxes and, in, and insurance are going to inflate. So how do I have one box for inflation? And some people want higher inflation on travel. So in our software, we have a separate box for inflation next to every single expense. And there's not an expense under the sun. And we even have other categories. Um, because the reality is we are all identical individuals when it comes to our cash flow. And this is the most important thing to understand about planning and where your opportunities lie. Because if, if you meet with a certified financial planner, they're going to ask you your assets, your liabilities, your income, your expenses, and your goals. And they're going to come back after fancy calculations. And they're going to go, Lee, you need to put $5,000 a year away more. And you need to make 5% average on the way in and 4% on the way out. Well, we already debunked the averages. But now let's talk about the $5,000 more. So... People are either paid by W-2 or 1099. We're going to talk about W-2 today, if that's okay with you. Sure. But, but Joe, before we get into kind of the weeds of this, I want to know a little bit about you. Like, it sounds like you have a lot of scar tissue when it comes to this, that you've seen yeah. a lot of things that maybe you don't agree with in the industry. How did you come to be, Joe, who you are today? What was kind of your backstory? What got you interested in financial planning and wanting to help people so passionately? Because your passion just exudes from, you know, all your words. Well, it's, 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 it's life, you know, life happened. And um, I was very fortunate. I grew up in Canton, Ohio, um, to a family that was in the automobile industry. My grandfather started um, with um, $300 borrowed money in 1929, he opened up a pure oil gas station. He had gone to Ohio State University. And 29 uh, was a not probably the best year to start businesses. Well, for him, it, it worked out, and I'll tell you why. And he's always said to me, I'd rather be lucky than good, but hard work leads to lots of luck. Um, the Great Depression obviously hit in 1930, and nobody could buy a newer used car. At best, they were buying used tires, repairing them, putting gas and oil in them at best. And that's what, that was his business. So the Great Depression actually, you know, helped him tremendously from a business standpoint. Obviously, it didn't help the economy or anybody else. Um, but from that standpoint, it did. And then he really, my family really made most of their money um, out of a company out of Columbus, Ohio, ironically, called Acceleration Life Corporation. They were the first company in the United States to sell credit life and accident health and extended warranties for cars. And um, my grandfather was a visionary, and he went on the original board and invested $43,000 in 1961. 
And he knew it would be part of the industry. Well, in 1971, I was a 10-year-old little boy sitting on my grandfather's lap in his office, his best friend sitting across the desk. He sold the stock for $2.7 million. And his best friend gave him the hardest time, said, Epi, the stock keeps going up and splitting and up and splitting. You're an idiot. Well, two weeks later, the stock crashed. My grandfather's answer to him was, I can wear one suit at a time and eat one steak at a time. If I'm careful with this money, my family is good for a long time to come. My uh, grandmother died six years ago with a two and a half million dollar estate after donating about five million to charity and family over their lifetime. So true words were never spoken. He taught me to think like a visionary. So when I graduated Ohio State, I sold cars for a couple of years. And while my wife finished dental hygiene school and we moved back to Canton, I had the vision for the first auto mall. We see them everywhere today. Multiple franchises, one location. Back then, the manufacturers did not want that at all. And our attorneys didn't put that into the buy-sell agreement. So we bought five dealerships we couldn't move. And the accountant didn't have me asset protected, any of us asset protected. So at 26 years old, my wife and I were worth $3.1 million on paper. And at 28, we were flat broke. I got to come home on a Tuesday afternoon because the store started losing like 350,000 a month. And I went home on a Tuesday and told my wife to sell the house, get rid of the pets and get rid of the boys. They were expensive and they weren't working yet, <laughs> but we, we ended up keeping it. And I went back to Columbus. I didn't see my family for six months. I took a job at uh, Northeast Toyota, which is no longer even there as a sales manager. Bounced around a couple of stores. And then I uh, went back to a store that I'd sold cars for. I turned a Chevy store around for them. And they owed me a nice bonus. It was due May 1, 92. April of 92, I was coming to Florida to see my family. And I got called in the office the day before I left and fired because it was employment at will contract it will and they didn't want to pay out this big bonus and the new CEO of the company ran the other Chevy store and I wasn't making them look too good. So I came to Florida anyways. I'm a spiritual person. I did some soul searching, some praying. God put me on a different path. I went back to Columbus and sold cars for a year and moved here to South Florida to Fort Lauderdale in 1993 with 30 grand from my equity from my house in Columbus and not another penny to my name. And started over like the rest of the world does in South Florida. I opened up an insurance and financial service practice. My wife took a job as a dental hygienist. Unfortunately, her mother, the following January of 94, got diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. By 96, my wife spent half her time in Columbus, in Cincinnati, helping her mother die. And I was cash advancing credit cards for staff in my business and to pay for help in the house for the boys because I had no money. And when my mother-in-law died January of 1998, I was 36 years old and $125,000 deep in credit card debt. November of that year at 37, I had my first three coronary stents. At 38, May of 99, one of my stents collapsed a little over 20 years ago. And I had a double bypass surgery. I've since had uh, four more stents and heart attacks in 08 and 11. Here's what I've learned. It's easy to make money in life. It's really hard to keep. When you don't do great, great, great things with your money, the man upstairs takes it from you. And lastly, we're all put on earth for a purpose. And we are given the training by the man upstairs for that purpose. And my purpose is financial literacy, but not just financial literacy. It's to get kindness and communication skills and relationship skills and the ability to be kind to your fellow man back into society and understanding the community environmentally and charitably and understanding the constitution and governance 
and dealing with the mental health stigma and the youth suicide rate. So we're working on a video game that will incorporate all these things because I said, especially financially, life needs to be like a video game. And even if you look at all this police violence or, or domestic violence, you know, it's no one is skilled to deal with mental health. So if we can get people, you know, through maybe even a simple thing as a video game where they see four vignettes at the lowest level of the game, one person's got a mental health issue, it's easy to figure out who has it and how to get them to help. But at the highest level of the game, you can have some real skill at this. So, you know, we're all about compassion and kindness. And it's one of the reasons I brought a couple of people with me today. And one is um, Elliot Brody, who is the founder, one of the founders of Oakstone Academy, which is a school, and Elliot will tell you a lot about it, but it's a school for kids with um, autism, but half the students there are typical. So Elliot will tell you how that school works. They're servicing almost 700 students there today, and they're getting just amazing results because people with special needs have to do very specific planning, although they'll lose their federal benefits. So, and that's and Joe, the, your mission is to help educate the families you serve so that they are kind of taken care of, no matter what that whether they want to um, kind of work on their legacy, whether they want to work on their retirement, whether they want to take care of their family or a family member in need. It's a holistic approach to um, kind of blending this kind of, um, I don't want to say altruism, because a lot of it is it's self-serving for the family to just be taken care of. So you're not looking at it of, I'm just going to you know chase returns. You're looking right. at it as a whole person trying to get the most out of their life so they can serve the folks around them in the, in the best way possible. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's welcome um, Elliot to the show. Welcome, Elliot Brody. Uh, tell us about Oakstone. So um, Oakstone is a uh, private school for children with autism. Uh, as Joe said, we service uh, nearly 700 children from pre-K through high school. Um, it, it's a built on a full inclusion model, meaning we try to have a 50-50 ratio of children on the spectrum uh, versus neurotypical children um, who come to our school for various reasons, whether they were bullied in their public school or whatever it may be. Um, most of them are, um, you know, children who do achieve quite well uh, academically. Um, and it creates a win-win scenario for our children on the spectrum. Um, they learn behaviors from their typical role models and those are the behaviors that we want them to exhibit in, in, in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, when our typical children, while they're getting a great private school education, um, they're also uh, learning empathy and, and kindness, uh, you know, to, to some of Joe's points that he was making earlier. It, um, you know, it's, it, it creates that, uh, that empathy and kindness towards others who are different than you. Um, so it creates a great environment and it's a great learning environment. And we've been in, in, in the community now for about, I think we're in our 22nd academics year. Um, this school started uh, at our dining room table with a, with a couple of other families over a lasagna dinner. Um, all of us have children who are on the spectrum. And um, we were looking for a better solution for our children and in a better environment, um, you know, and it's, uh, I will never um, knock our public school system. 
Um, but it's, uh, and it, I have a lot of family members who are public school teachers, so I love them dearly. Um, you know, but it's unfair um, for our, for some of our public schools, um, you know, to, and, and for some of the students in there, you know, our children are ushered in and out of the classroom on a, a, all day long, um, not necessarily conducive to a great education environment. So we just wanted to change that up and we have, and it's been a very successful model. Um, but where it comes back to our business and financial services, you know, as a, as a parent of a special needs child, um, uh, it, it does take considerable amount of planning for us. We have to uh, be thoughtful of planning our own retirements, but essentially we're planning a second retirement for our child when, when we're no longer here to provide for them. Um, and then, and it could be fairly extensive, uh, planning, uh, our, our children, you know, when they're receiving benefits from the County, um, you know, there's the, the autism waiver program that, uh, that enables our children to access Medicaid, um, and services through Medicaid, um, as they get a little bit older, they can qualify for social security disability. Um, but with those programs come stipulations that they're not allowed to have any assets or assets, no more than $2,000. Um, so, you know, we have to do a lot of other planning, which involves um, working with attorneys on developing great trust programs that protect their benefits that they get through the county and through the federal government, uh, while being able to live in a, an environment that we choose versus becoming wards of the state. Now, I would imagine uh, for the lay person that doesn't, maybe doesn't have these kind of needs, it's difficult to imagine that um, these are th some of the things that you had to think of at the beginning and that you think of constantly, whereas a person who doesn't have a special needs child um, is probably, you know, it's not occurring to them as, as urgently as it is for you. So in these kind of circumstances, I would imagine it's difficult to um, do this on your own. You need some sort of expert advisor or trusted advisor to kind of sherpa you through all of the complexities of this, because there's so many things you don't know, you know, and you might, you probably know you don't know all this stuff and you got to lean on somebody that has these kind of this uh, specialized knowledge in order to really take care of your family to the best of your ability. And that's absolutely the case. And, uh, but the other part of that is, and as I was talking about an attorney relationship, um, you know, our work that we do, um, because the place in which it comes from, because it comes from personal experience um, and it comes from years of dedicated experience in Joe's case, you know, and working with, with, with our families. Um, but our work is not complete without good quality work from a, an attorney who knows and understands how the process works as well. But, um, but everybody has to work together. This is something that you almost need a team to really yeah. be watching your back or else you can screw it up just because you don't know all the details. Precisely. Precisely. Now, when you're working with a family that has these kind of specialized needs, who becomes kind of the quarterback? Is it the attorney or is it the financial advisor? Who is the one that's helping guide the, the family to, you know, kind of making sure that they're getting the desired outcome? Well, often, oftentimes um, we have, uh, direct access to the families. So we tend to quarterback that. Um, but it, again, it really, it, it's, I hate using the word control, but it's 
where did the family access the advisor first? Was it the financial advisor or was it legal advice? Um, and, and so the referrals go back and forth between us and various attorneys uh, who we have developed relationships with. So it can be an either or, but most often than not, it's typically we've been out there, we've had conversations with the family, uh, we sit down, we, we talk about it with them, and we're frequently making referrals to uh, a group of attorneys that we're comfortable with. Right. But again, this is something that when your family's kind of well-being in this area is on the line, you want people that have have been there and done that. You don't want to be on the learning curve of right. a brand new person who's never seen this before and they're learning along with you. Maybe they're reading ahead two pages in the, you know, the pamphlet. I mean, I want somebody that's been there, done that, that knows where the landmines are, you know, six months, 12 months, you know, five years ahead of time. And that's correct because there are, there are no do-overs to bad planning, um, especially in this arena with special needs. You have to, we have to be working with people that we, we know are uh, quality attorneys that have years of experience working in this, uh, uh, in this area of expertise. Now, can you share a story? Don't name names, obviously, but a way that you kind of were able to come into a family and help them kind of navigate this and maybe either save them money or had a, had a, a good outcome for them? Well, uh, yes. I mean, there's a, it's a family and, um, they were, it's a, it's, it's not an atypical situation, you know, where you have one parent who's the major breadwinner in this particular household. Mom was the major breadwinner. Um, she was, you know, making, um, you know, mid seventies and in gross income husband was unemployed, taking care of the children. Um, so we had to take a look at this scenario, to protect mom and, and mom's income. So not only did we have to replace her income in the event of loss of life, um, but we also had to protect her income in, in case of disability, um, which was becoming um, a quite important scenario, especially with dad not working. Um, what we were able to do was to put a plan in place that we protected both mom and dad's life, because even though dad was taking care of the children, there's still economic value that's associated with the work that he does in the home. And, uh, you know, too often in the past, you know, we, you know, people would forget about um, you know, the spouse that was taking care of the children because it, without them, it, you know, there is significant economic loss that's potential. Um, but again, we had to really take care of mom and being able to replace mom's income, which we did. Then we also took care of the event that she was disabled, make, making sure that there was a plan in place for her. Um, and in this particular case, uh, mom became very ill and had to use the disability. Um, but we were in a, in a scenario when you look at their net expenses on a monthly basis, if mom didn't have that disability policy, this was a potential house of cards ready to collapse. And the, uh, you know, because our, you know, there's a lot of our families that are out there on that brink. Um, and, uh, you know, so good planning, putting good, you know, focusing on the individual needs of the family um, and, and making sure that we had a great plan in place to take care of any of those things. Because you can plan all you want um, and be, but you, you still have to be prepared when something comes, comes about. And that's what we did. We helped the family be prepared. Um, not and, and we were 
able to maintain the long-term plan because we have the disability in place for mom. Wow, that's an amazing story. Uh, now, who do you have with you? And we have uh, Jack Reinhardt with us, and Jack's uh, uh, been with us for about two years, and um, we'll let Jack introduce himself. Jack, what's your role with Epi? So my role with the Epi Group is to um, advise clients um, similar um, philosophies that Joe and Elliot uh, I've already discussed. So I'm here to learn as much uh, as I can from these two um, all-star advisors. Now, what drew you to the Epi Group? What what attracted you to join the firm? Uh, honestly, Elliot and I were uh, introduced by a uh, common friend over a cup of coffee. And shortly after the introduction, um, I think it took Elliot and I about a whole five minutes to realize that this would be a, a good partnership here in Columbus. And about, I think a week later, I was on the phone with Joe and only uh, after talking to Joe, solidified the decision to come here and, and work with Joe and Elliot. Now, when you decided to work with the Epi Group, um, it sounds like your your values were similar and your values, that was an important component of joining the team. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, this industry has a lot of people that don't have the right intentions in mind. And unfortunately, um, that's part of the, the trade. But with Joe and, and um, Elliot being able to, you know, um, put the client first and have that mentality of doing the right thing by the client, um, it, it aligned perfectly with my values. And Now for you, uh, I know you've only been there a short time, but what's been the most rewarding part of the job thus far? Uh, honestly, just helping people um, lose the anxiety about finances, right? I don't, it doesn't matter uh, if a client comes to us. Um, a lot of them have been anxious about uh, retirement uh, and being able to, I'm not, outlive their retirement assets and knowing that you put a plan to play in place that allows them to sleep well at night and um, function daily without losing sleep because of their money is very rewarding. Now, Joe, this must be very uh, a proud moment for you to see your firm grow like this and attract this kind of quality uh, professionals. No, that's absolutely correct. And, and, you know, it's it's not just the the quality of the individuals; it's it's their their inner souls. You know what I'm saying? They they just right. You know, Elliot has been through you know a, a lot with his son, and you know he's come out amazingly well on the other side of it. Um, and yet, and and you know, Jack and Elliot both came from a previous corporate career, which things things in corporations happen very differently. So. Um, and I got to tell you that that really Columbus started doing better when I kind of stepped out of the picture of the sense of operational. So um, we have a practice manager. Her name is Mary Bezzi, and she is really who runs the practice. We all look like we we work for Mary. That's how we, we do it. Mary says jump. We ask how high because, frankly, she's behind the scenes making sure that you know, all the promises and, and I have you know, an amazing team that support us all. They're the ones making sure that all the promises we made to clients actually happen in a timely and efficient basis, because this is a team business. There is no way that you can come into this industry today as a solo producer starting out 
and have any any chance of survival. It's just gotten way too complicated with too many experts and you know too many moving parts. And like I said, when I was alluding to before, people are getting such false information. And I think we can probably close with this. You know that cash flow conversation I was having. If if you allocate all your income to either bills, taxes, or savings and investments, and that's what we all do. So in other words, 100% of our income, if you're on a W-2, they zap the taxes before you get paid. And the reason they do that is because it's your money and it would be felony theft of the federal government if they didn't turn it into the government. And so since it's not their money, they're going to turn it in. Then it comes home into your paycheck, you use it to pay bills. And either before you got your check, it got zapped to a 401k or it sits in checking or you move it to savings or you invest it somewhere else. But since the origin of income, everybody has allocated 100% of their income and 100% of their stuff on their model. So if you have a savings account out there today and it makes five cents in interest, the first fact we know about your savings account is it's really, really big because there's no interest in it. But you only have three choices with that nickel. You can spend it, put it back in savings or put it somewhere else. So at the end of the day, every individual on this planet is the same. We have reallocation. Reallocation is I'm saving money to bucket A. I could put that money in bucket B. If I have money in bucket A, I could choose to move it over to bucket B. But if I said to any client, I can solve all your planning needs for one more dollar of cash flow, it's got to come from somewhere where they're parking a dollar. Yet these planners are out there asking them assets, liability, income, expenses, goals, and then time how much more they got to put away and they're using averages. And I, you know, it's really important people understand how false averages are. A dollar doubled is two dollars. You're up 100%. Lose 50% year two, 50% year three. That adds to zero divided by three is zero. So you got to look at real returns. And the only way you can do that is to look at them year by year by year. You cannot, you cannot use a long-term average because it's not going to, it depends when the gains and losses occur. And the, there's no way the market can repeat itself. And this is, it's like, like you're saying, this kind of financial literacy is not taught and it's not really intuitive. You got to trust people that are helping you and you got to choose them wisely. And it sounds like you have a firm where you're choosing folks wisely and that uh, they're really looking out for their clients. Well, and that's, that's true because if you think about it, the banks, the, the big wall street banks, the federal government and Wall Street, they're in business together. Ever since the, the, the crisis of 08 and the TARP money coming out, they are legally in business together. And they are taking your money and we can document it and prove it to you. So all we do is show people how to follow the money. I've, I use this saying all the time, follow the money trail. You always, always, always get to the answer. So if you look at every major corporation out there, IBM, ExxonMobil, they have a pension plan for their top execs only. And it's all in three products, annuities, whole life, and cash. Yet everybody listening to this has got their money in mutual funds or stocks or bonds inside their 401ks. Why aren't the people at the top doing the same exact thing they're having us do? Because they know it doesn't really work as well as what they're doing. And so we're just teaching people how to follow the money trail. That's always been the solution in life. So if there's someone out there that's listening that um, wants to learn more about how to uh, take care of their money so that it grows and so they're protected and their family is protected, 
no matter their situation, what is the best way to get a hold of uh, somebody at the Epi Group? Um, well, you can use our uh, toll-free number. Um, it's uh, 888-563. Is that right, Mary? Five six three three seven seven nine. And then the website? Uh, the website is com. Well, thank you, Joe, for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. And thank you for bringing your team today. We appreciate you having us, Lee, and we'd be glad to come back anytime you'd like to have us. All right. Sounds good. All right. This is Lee Cantor. You're listening to Columbus Business Radio. See you next time.